0: You're listening so to too. And such a, <laughs> a Mamma Mia podcast from Mamma Mia. Welcome to the spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick, and I'm Key Reese. And Reese, before we get into today's show, which has a few juicy little segments in it, I just want to give the people a little TV recommendation. And I can't do it on Weekend Watch because I was the one who made the hard and fast rule that, <laughs> that I berate you for every time you break it, that Weekend Watch is for new shows that we've seen before the audience. But today I'm going to recommend something that's just come on Netflix. It's the Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling's <gasps> comedy. Have you watched it?
1: I haven't watched all of it, but I'll definitely pick that up because that's like a warm hug, right?
0: It is the best warm hug. So obviously Mindy Kaling's comedy is so amazing. And because she wrote this show kind of for herself, like her starring vehicle, it's like her ultimate comedy in TV form. So she plays a doctor in New York City, but she made the character a doctor because the character is meant to be like quite unlikable. And so she's like, I had to give her something because that people didn't completely hate her. It's about her living her life in New York City. And it's like a rom-com. And it is so funny. It has the best cast. It also has one of the best comedy love stories. Actually, I would say it's my favourite love story in any kind of comedy show. And she kind of modelled it off Pride and Prejudice. And it's so good. Oh, wow. It's just,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm good. definitely going to put that into the rotation because I do need a warm hug. And Mindy Kaling is phenomenal. So I need to get around that. All six seasons are on Netflix now. Even if you can't leave your house, it won't matter. No, we don't deserve you, Laura Bronick, and these amazing recommendations. Thank you so much.
0: Well, on the show today, we thought we knew the worst stories from the Playboy Mansion, but a new documentary has proved otherwise. So we're going to get into that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day.
1: I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines. New celeb alcohol line alert. Singer and icon Mariah Carey has launched a line of Irish cream called Black. Irish. Now for all of the goon drinkers listening, you are my people. That's basically Bailey's. I know, I know, Mariah Carey doesn't exactly scream milky liqueur, more of a champagne darling kind of girl, but it turns out there's actually a really sweet reason behind the choice. So posting to her 10.3 million Instagram followers, Mariah introduced a line with a pic of her laying on an exotic beach wearing a figure-hugging diamond-encrusted full-length gown with a bottle of black Irish resting in front of her on the sand. The caption, revealed that the line, available now in three delicious flavors, original white chocolate and salted caramel, has been in the works for two years. The name Black Irish is an homage to her heritage, her father being Black Venezuelan and her mother of Irish descent. And it looks like the hard work has paid off because according to the cut, the line has already sold out in some retailers. Now that is truly... A Cause for Celebration. It actually did get me thinking about what our celeb alcohol line names would be based on our heritage. So mine's kind of boring. Mine would just be black-white, but yours is quite fun. It's white Slovenian.
0: Yeah, well, irish Slovenian.
1: <gasps> hey, maybe Mariah Carey and I are related. I feel an Ancestry.com collaboration coming on.
0: I'd much rather be related to Mariah Carey than the other famous woman that I am closely related to. Melania Trump. Um, don't say it. I don't want people to know. <laughs> It's my secret shame. I don't know if Slavidian Irish is as sexy as Black Irish, but still.
1: My favourite thing about this, of course, is that I know that there is a Christmas flavour in the works because you know MC loves Christmas. It is her favourite time of the year, so I'll be waiting with bated breath for December, baby. Well, just as soon as we recovered from the naked paddleboarding incident of 2016, actor Orlando Bloom has blessed us with yet another Rudy Nudie. This time... It wasn't the long lens, Paps who outed his vacation pastime, but himself. So on Sunday, Orly took to Instagram, posting a carousel of pictures. The first and last pic were of him in a river smiling into the sun. Then there was a short video of him swimming backstroke, declaring that the water is so amazing. And to be honest, it looked like it is. And then the image that is making headlines today, him standing on the riverbank with his back towards the camera, naked with only a peach emoji covering his bottom and a casual thumbs up just to throw into the mix. Sweetly, well, that's to be determined, he tagged partner Katy Perry on his um, peach. Together they, of course, share 11-month-old daughter Daisy Dove and Katy was quick to comment writing, "'Babe, I leave you alone for two days?' But my favourite comment was from Beltran underscore triplets underscore dad, who wrote, "It doesn't matter what you post. I'll always see you as an elf." <laughs> I see you as an elf, and I really appreciated the punctuation. He even put a comma in there, which I'm like, whenever you do a diss, if it's well punctuated, it's like ten out of ten for me.
0: But he lives like an elf. He likes to frolic in nature and make yeah. out with cows and stuff. And I feel like he doesn't elf wear life. pants. Yes. I, mean, I feel like elves. Have you seen <laughs> Lord of the Rings? I feel like we're two different movies. He always wears pants and that. Don't blame the elves for that.
1: <laughs> anyway, I just think it's classic. He's such a weird guy. Hey, And I'm just so thankful that he keeps doing weird shit so we can talk about him. Exactly. And look, I
0: know I pitched this this morning. I didn't really have a strong angle except that I just find the photos themselves, like the background of the photos quite weird because yes, like he's staying there naked. He's an adult man. He's allowed to make that choice, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people around him that he's facing naked and they've all got clothes on. So I feel like it's not like a naked swimming area. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what Katy Perry said the 2016 thing was. That like, they were in Europe, everyone was naked, Ollie just wanted to fit in. It was a real cultural thing, but it's very clear that he just has a tendency to free Willie. <laughs> Exactly, and again, like that's his prerogative.
0: But like, the dude has a mansion; he could frolic naked by his pool. He's got into like a public area and is just swanning around. And because he's Orlando Bloom and people think he's an elf, no one's going to say anything. Including whoever took that photo was probably thinking, "I did not sign up for this."
1: Okay, but wait, I just realised that he can't be freeing his willy at his mansion because Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are like just down the road. He can't be like airing his crown jewels in front of the royals.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm just thinking of that last interview he did so differently, because remember how he was the one, like, he takes credit for warning Prince Harry and Meghan Markle when there are paparazzis lurking outside their house, and I always pictured him like Orlando Bloom, like neighborhood watch, like walking down the street, you know, in like camo or something. No, I didn't think that, but now, is he lying outside the bushes of Prince Harry's house naked? I think he might be. na 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 well, we've had some pretty disturbing stories about the inner workings of the Playboy Mansion before, but apparently the worst of it has been kept hidden, until now at least – So the first trailer for Secrets of Playboy, which is a new 10-part documentary series, has been released and it promises to explore the real truth behind Hugh Hefner's empire. And what's kind of interesting about this trailer is it shows that all these different people from Hugh Hefner's life, from his private staff to people who worked in the house to a range of his girlfriends and pretty much everyone who was involved in the kind of Playboy empire at the time – talking on record about him and what happened in the mansion in a way they never have before. There was a side of Playboy that nobody wants to talk about. He was an advocate for sexual freedom and the First Amendment. And he really did believe he owned these women.
1: There's some things that never saw the light of day. I didn't realize that getting into the Playboy world was a dangerous choice. He didn't want people to know what was really going on.
0: I have extensive electronic equipment in the house, which includes videotape equipment. Sometimes things happen in the bedroom. It was a beautiful world. It looked
1: that way, but it was really ugly. When you get someone that powerful, anything could happen, anything. I wouldn't trade places with anyone else in the world. His legacy should comprise the whole story. The people who are really there, they're the ones who know the real truth.
0: It's interesting that they're talking about his legacy then mm. because obviously in the last couple of years, so Hugh Hefner passed away in 2017, but before that he had quite the empire that had started to kind of crumble in the later years of his life and especially now. There was the Playboy magazine and all the kind of franchising of the products, TV shows set inside the house. The clubs. And- Yeah, exactly. Like a huge empire built around him being this kind of sexy Lothario guy who had this swarm of nearly identical, thin, blonde, young girlfriends who would all live with him together. And for so many decades, that was seen as a very celebrated thing. Like it's weird to look back on now. But at the time, he was kind of like very accepted by society. And I feel like no one really raised the issue that it was a bit off. And he really had this iconic place in pop culture and that's why it's strange watching back like old episodes of sex in the city you know how he pops up and in the la episodes mm. and it's like samantha's dream to meet him and he's kind of really positioned as this like pop culture figure that they have to celebrate, even though obviously they see some bad stuff at the Playboy Mansion when they go to the party. But he's playing himself, but he comes across as very, like, kind and romantic and, like, very protective of the women there, and that's the kind of image he tried to put out. But then over the years, obviously, like, a lot of women who were living there as his girlfriends and then since left released their own memoirs or gave interviews about what was really going on, and it tarnished his legacy a little bit but not really that much, which is kind of interesting. And then the voices that you can hear in that trailer are a lot of people that really haven't gone on the record before, which is interesting. So there's Hugh Hefner's personal valet, Stefan Tenenbaum, Playboy Mansion West resident Jennifer Sagner, and also past girlfriends of Hugh Hefner's, including Holly Madison, Bridget Marquette, and Sandra Theodore. What's also really interesting is that the bunny mother, so she's like the woman who lived inside the house, kind of looked after the girls like a house mother and also kind of kept them in line. She's the one in the video who says there's a side of Playboy that nobody wants to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating because I think that – even just in our conversation now and listening to that trailer, it's kind of dawned on me how bad it is. Like I knew from an episode we did a little bit ago when Holly Madison did that interview with Call Her Daddy and she kind of spoke about different things that were happening in the Playboy Mansion at the time and that was quite shocking. But I don't think I really understood the degree in which it was so bad until I just heard him say then, you know, I have a lot of recording equipment in the house. Things happen in the bedroom and I record it. Like this was a man who was in his 60s or 70s with girlfriends who were maybe 20 and obviously trying to get a break in Hollywood and we were watching them on television. I was tuning in as a young girl thinking that this was okay. I mean I'm thinking of Scott Disick and Amelia Hamlin and how much flack that we give them his trend for dating much younger women and the trend of a lot of Hollywood men dating much younger women. I know the tide has changed, but it's kind of just dawned on me how insane it was and how widely accepted it was. Like the Playboy Mansion parties were the hottest ticket in town in the 2000s. I mean, even earlier than that before I, it would have been on my radar as like a young and growing up. And so many television shows, you mentioned Sex in the City, but so many like Entourage were on there. And it was like such a cool kind of cameo you'd have in a show, it's weird that We've changed that much. Like at the time, were there people saying that this was a bad thing? I mean, I'm sure
0: there was. I'm sure it wasn't like widely accepted by like family groups and stuff like that. But I don't think there was this kind of call out in the media, like you're saying now. I hadn't actually thought about that, but it's so true that we now hold all these kind of age gap relationships to account. But that wasn't a thing that happened
1: back then to him. And multiple girls, like not even just one young girlfriend, it was like a house full of girls. That he would force to have sex with him. It's, like, very cult-like. It is cult-like. That's so true. And the thing
0: is, I think at the time, though, they were so careful to make it look like it was all consensual and everyone was having fun. Well, it was consensual, but it was conditional. Yeah, exactly. But was it all consensual? Like, that's kind of what I feel like is going to come out in this documentary because Holly Madison has said in the past that they weren't forced to have sex with him, but it was a condition of them staying. Mm. And it sounds like they were all picked as women who had nowhere else to go, young women who had arrived in town, who didn't have family around, who didn't have friends, who didn't have money. So there's got to be a trend there if the only women you can lure into your house are women who literally have nowhere else to go and are very young. And they all talk about the fact that he would give them quaaludes, which are drugs, Because he said it put them more in the mood for sex. So you've got these women who are being plied with alcohol and drugs. And also they had to go into his bedroom every Friday, I think it was, and this is like in multiple Mm. of their books, and all line up while he gave them their allowance for the week, which was cash that he took out of his safe and gave them each an envelope. And while he did that, he would like go mad on them, like emotionally abusive for things that they had done during the week and like be like very emotionally blackmailing. But also if he was displeased with them, they wouldn't get their allowance. So it's like you had to kind of conform to him at all times, to this old guy who's like running your life or you wouldn't get the cash and you'd also kind of be worried about being thrown out in the street and having nowhere else to go. If we saw that happening in any other place, like if it wasn't a sexy mansion with a cute little buddy logo, you know how we always talk about all those movies like Christian Grey and whatever, that sex movie, three something something that we talked about. (laughs) You know how we always talk about the fact that if those men weren't rich, that would be a horror movie. Like if Christian Grey didn't have like a beautiful big apartment and like private jets and all that money, that would be a very upsetting storyline. Like it would be seen as like an abusive horror movie almost. But because they're rich, it's got this fantasy element. And I think it's the same thing with Hugh Hefner, is that people liked the idea of the mansion and the clothes and the shoes, and it was all seen as very decadent. Which is so funny now when what's come out is that the house itself was disgusting. There was animal shit everywhere because none of the dogs were toilet trained. The mansion was falling apart and the women were allowed to show that on Instagram. They can only show like old pictures where it looked really nice. They said like the mattresses were all stained and dirty. Everything was rotting and broken. So it's like you're living in this mansion, but the mansion itself is crumbling. Kind of like the whole Playboy legacy.
1: On that note, it just kind of occurred to me that there is – and they are very different crimes. We're not even sure that Hugh Hefner has – done a crime that's definitely not the correct English (laughs) allegedly allegedly of allegedly. (laughs) of course of course not saying that he has but when I'm thinking of another really high profile man who is currently in courts at the moment for you know really predatory behavior which is R. Kelly and that took years and years and years to get to the point where they are now with his trial that is just about to start I believe maybe a week ago they picked their jury and one of the main drivers in that was that R. Kelly documentary. So it will be interesting, I think, to see what happens after this documentary comes out. I think people will be shocked, but what actual effect will it have? Because I think a lot of people will also think, oh, it was the time and the girls were consensual. and But also, like, how are quaaludes consenting? Because quaaludes are the drug that Leonardo DiCaprio took in that movie, you know, when he played that guy, Wolf of Wall oh, Street. Of when Wall he's like Street. falling out of the car and he's like looks crazy oh, and he's just yeah. cut. That's what a quaalude does to you. Like it has I love how we have to reference a
0: Leonardo DiCaprio movie to know that we're so squeaky clean.
1: <laughs> I haven't been dabbling in Quaaludes, surprisingly. But like you lose all sense of your muscles and body and stuff. So like, yeah, it's easier to have sex with girls when they're on Quaaludes because they can't stop you. Like, how could he have gotten away with this for so long? And it just makes me really sad. But, yeah, I think looking at this R. Kelly stuff that's happening at the moment, I can draw a couple of parallels only because they were powerful men using their celebrity to lure in girls and kind of keep them in some kind of way. Very different crimes. Obviously we can't say that Hugh Hefner was guilty of any crime. It will be interesting to see what happens. But the other interesting thing is, like, has Kendra Wilkinson been attached to this at all?
0: I can't say that she's in it at all. No, she's like the she's only the one only who's still one. defending
1: him. Yeah. yeah, which I find really ironic because when you watch the show back she was always kind of a little bit grossed out by him but she was also the main star of the show like Holly was the main girlfriend but Kendra was the star because she was like so funny and hilarious and would just like be herself but I always got the sense that she was like really not that into him but she's always been the loudest kind of person in his corner.
0: Yeah, and she's the only one where when she kind of left the mansion that stayed so close to him, he walked her down the aisle. I'm thinking of the right person,
1: yeah. He walked her down the aisle at her wedding. He did. That's such a good point. I'm dying to see this documentary.
0: Yes, exactly. We'll have to delve into it. Ten episodes. I must have a lot to say to kind of fill out ten episodes. And we'll link the trailer for that in the show notes if you want to have a look at the creepiness. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. And while you're listening, please follow us and leave us a review. This episode of The Spill was produced by myself, Laura Brodnick, with audio production by Leah Porges. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.
1: Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.